I've been doing a little bit of traveling, get a chance to see family. But as I've returned here to New Jersey, I have this strong sense that this is my family. This is the place where I'm rooted. This is the place where I'm established. This is my church family. This is where I belong. I belong to you and you belong to me. That's one of the things we're going to be talking about this morning, but it's just really good to be back. And I'm really glad that you guys are here this morning, online church. I hope that you guys are also staying safe wherever you are at. And our hearts go out to those who've been impacted by this hurricane as Andreas has been coming up the coast, as well as our hearts go out to those in Haiti who are still struggling to just even uh, get people to the hospital and the churches that have been impacted there. And so we're praying for Haiti. We're, we're uh, concerned and, and looking after the, the, the situation in Haiti right now. And I really am glad that as a church family, our hearts are broken by the things that are actually difficult and the, and the things that we need to be attending to as a church family and be empathetic for. So we're in this Pressing In series, and I'm glad that we're here together talking about the things that God has really illuminated from his scripture. So I want to just start by reading our core passage here this morning. I want to start by reading it, and then explain a little bit of the context and why we're here and what we're going to be talking about this morning. So here is Romans 12, 3 to 5. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to each other. We belong to each other. In another passage, Paul says we are connected towards one another. He uses the metaphor of the body of Christ in many different places to actually help us understand this principle that we belong towards one another and we are connected towards one another. So what do you think? Is this what you experience in your life? Is this what you think is happening? Are, you, are we living out the idea of belonging towards one another and being connected towards one another? I think we just have to sort of acknowledge straight away that if you're part of North American culture, North American culture is a very individualistic culture. I'll take care of myself, you take your, you care of your, yourself, you don't tell me what to do, I don't tell you what to do, and as long as your rights don't infringe on my rights, we're all gonna be okay. It's a very individualistic culture. The idea of belonging towards one another and being connected towards one another really is completely countercultural to the North American culture. So this scripture is going to seem really out of sync with everything that's going on in culture right now. But that's all right. That's all right. We're going to allow this to help us inform the body of Christ and the way that we live. And we're often called to live counterculturally, so that's normal for us. But then I also have to acknowledge that there are some cultures represented in our church family, some of you from other cultures that are not from North American culture, and your home culture is much more communal or much more connected than North American culture is. And when you are a part of North American culture, you see this individualistic way of life, and it doesn't make sense to you, it's wrong to you, it's very foreign to you, and that is a good thing. That's a good thing, and we need you as part of this family to help us live counterculturally and to help us understand that we are more connected, we belong to each other in more ways than we often realize. So thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for speaking into this. I love the ways in which we can learn from the different aspects of the good things that our different cultures bring to the church family. Thank you for doing that. Please do that more. Please do that more. We want to learn from each other. 
But as we've been looking, as I've been thinking about this passage, as it's been on my mind, it's been on my heart for some time, I really want to begin to take a look at this passage through the perspective, this idea of belonging towards one another and being connected. I want to take a look at this passage through the perspective of being single and being married. And I know Pastor Emily talked last week about the gift of singleness and her transparent journey through resisting that idea towards coming into alignment with God's word and the gift of being single. But now this week, I want to talk a look at this idea of the whole family of God being connected and us being belonging towards one another through the perspective of singleness and through marriage. Some of you know me. I'm married. I'm married to my wife, Deborah. We've been married for 23 years. We have two kids, Emily and Erica. They're online right now watching. Hey, family, how are you? And that's the perspective and the context that I'm bringing to this. But how did I get there? I was in conversations over the summer. Why is this on my heart? And it was in conversations with Pastor Emily and her experience of being single in the family of God that Holy Spirit just really clearly whispered to me, hey, Joel, I think you've got a blind spot here. I don't think you see the single families the single people here in our church family, not just the young adults, but all the single families or all the single people here and of all ages and of all life circumstances. I don't think you see them, just not naturally. So that's why we're talking about this morning, not necessarily as uh, a master of the content, But as someone who wants to bring this conversation here, and I think this Romans 12 passage will really help us and guide us back towards a reality of being connected and really truly belonging towards one another. So are you willing to head into this together? This is the concept. I want to start by going back to Romans 12, and I want to reread it together and then begin to think about how does this apply to this this perspective of singleness and marriage inside of the church. Here, let's reread this. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So how do we apply this to the aspect of singleness and marriage inside of the church? Well, clearly Paul is calling out a hierarchy that has existed here. He says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. And in this context of this verse, there's people who are thinking of them looking down on other people, different aspects of the body of Christ, thinking that they're more important than another. I think that's a perfect application to this situation because as we've had conversations about this and as we've talked to one, towards one another across this perspective of being single and married in the family of God and in culture, it becomes clear that there is an unspoken hierarchy between married people and single people because of the perspective that single, peer, single people are just going through this season of life until they get married and that marriage is the preferred alternative outcome in life. That perspective, that unspoken hierarchy 
exist. And those of you who are on the underside of that hierarchy, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And those of you who are on the upside of that hierarchy, it might just seem normal. It might just seem natural. It just might seem reasonable to you. But I think this scripture is going to help us see that hierarchy in the family of God is not what God wants for the family of God. Let's, let's dig into this a little bit more. Another, existent, another reason because of the, sing, the, the hierarchy is that single people are looked down upon as, this, as if this is a period of life to get through, as well as some single people who really desire to be married really think about it in the same way. They can't wait to get through this period of life. As well as single people who are unmarried past a certain age are looked down upon sometimes with a sense of pity, as if, I wonder what went wrong. Speak, you know, secret, that, that thought is, is secretly held. And now we realize that we really are actually going to try to get after this and talk about this this morning. Because we don't often talk about this hierarchy. We don't often talk about the experiences that people have in singleness, or as in widows, which is a different experience or as someone who's been divorced, which is a different experience, or maybe you've been married but have been unable to have kids, and the hierarchy that you experience in the family of God is is unique to that. There are so many different hierarchies that exist in the family of God, and as we focus on this one, we're not trying to dismiss any of the other ones, but we're going to extract this principle of, of love and of connectedness, and we can apply this across all the kinds of different hierarchies, but we're really focusing on the aspect of singleness and marriage this morning. So, if God doesn't want this for us, and he wants us to live out this reality of really being connected and really belonging towards one another, how are we going to do this? What's the right perspective to have? And don't we also want to ask the, the question from the Bible, is it better to be single or to be married? Essentially, I mean, don't we wonder that in our minds, which is better for us? Or are we just left up to our own opinions about whether we want to be single or whether we want to be married or what our, what our desires are or the life trajectories that we're on? I think that there are some misconceptions about what the Bible says about singleness and marriage, and I think that that's important to talk about this morning. So I want to spend a little bit of time answering the question, what does the Bible say? Is it better to be single or to be married? And we're going to look at this from the Old Testament, we're going to look at this from the life of Jesus, and we're going to look at this from the New Testament. And if you think you know what the answer is... Hang on. It's a little bit more nuanced, a little bit more complex than I think I initially thought that it was. So let's take a little bit of time and dive into this, shall we? All right, from the Old Testament, what does the Bible say about is it better to be single or is it better to be married? One of the main principles from the Old Testament and the idea of God's people being called out and being invited and located into the promised land, the, thing, the land that God provided for them, this is one of the meta-arcs of the Old Testament, is that God's provision and his inheritance and his taking care of his people occurs through the inheritance of land. He provides people through the land, and the inheritance from the land comes through, in a patriarchal society, it comes through the family, and it comes through the male headship in the family. This is Cultural in that time, but it's also how it was played out in the Old Testament scriptures. So if you're going to be provided for, if you're going to know that your needs are met, it's going to be through the land provided through your, your family, through the 12 tribes of Israel, all the way that the land was, was divi- divided out. And so 
it's normal to think that my security, my sense of provision, my safety actually comes through my family. In that context, that would be normal. And yet, in the Old Testament, there are so many places where people who are unseen in culture, widows, divorcees, foreigners, travelers, God sees them and makes a plan for providing for them outside of this inheritance. He wants the people of God to understand his heart of generosity is for everyone, not just for those people who are in family. So the meta trend from the Old Testament is that it is through family that you find security and that you find safety and that you get your inheritance, but that God is always looking out for the widow, the orphan, the family, the individual who does not have access to that and and God wants to provide for them. One of my favorite stories of this is the story of Ruth and Boaz. It comes from the book of Ruth in the Old Testament, if you want to take a look at it later. But the story of Ruth and Boaz is such a powerful metaphor and story about how God provides for Ruth through Boaz. But what you will read in this story is that Ruth is not even an Israelite. She is a foreigner. She is a Moabite. But she makes a powerful declaration where she says, I want your, le- your people to be my people, and I want your God to be my God. And through the unfolding of the story, Boaz makes a very generous, Christ-like gesture and decides to take her and provide for her and look after her and shelter her in a way that she would not have been able to be, to be taken care of otherwise. So if you want to look into that story, that is a metaphor for Christ, in, the, in foreshadowing in the New Testament, but it's also a ways, an example of which in the Old Testament, God is always looking out for those people who are on the fringes of society. So if we look at the Old Testament, which is better, singleness or marriage? I think it leans on the side of marriage just because of the inheritance and the security that's provided for. Let's take a look at the life of Jesus. What does Jesus primarily model for us? Jesus was single, and he lived life to the fullest. There is so much, so, so much significance in looking at the life of Jesus. He did most of his ministry outside of the context of his family. And yet, knowing that what was going to occur inside of culture, that his mother, was not, his mother Mary was not going to be provided for if he didn't do something about it, as he was dying on the cross, he looks down to John, his disciple, and says, John, here is your mother. Mary, here is your son. You are going to be provided for. You are going to be provided for. As he was in pain and sacrificing his body, he was also taking care of those people who were invisible, not seen in culture, or maybe seen as less than. And I think it's such a powerful metaphor and powerful understanding of the heart of God as it's represented in Jesus. Because when he builds his church and he makes the promise to Peter that on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it. And it begins to build this family of God that starts with the apostles and then extends and grows beyond there. It's a new family. And Paul talks about it as being a new family by adoption. So in the idea of being provided for by the family, the new metaphor, that the new principles that Jesus Um, puts in places that it's going to come through the new family that we have in Christ. Pastor Emily talked about this in great detail last week, about the things that we find our security and our family and our belonging are no longer just in the context of the nuclear family, but they are now found in Christ. So the Old Testament model is now being completely replaced by a New Testament model that has uh, richness to it. Ephesians 3.10 says that it is now through the church that the manifest wisdom is being made known in the heavenly realms and to all the rulers. The manifest many-colored 
wisdom of God that is represented in the family of God, the church. That's what we're trying to live out right here, right now. That's the future of the church, and that's the future of the new promise that Jesus is putting into place. And Paul, he has so much to say about the family of God. I've already referenced the picture of the body of Christ, but what does Paul have to say about the marriage and singleness? Pastor Emily referenced 1 Corinthians 7. We're going to go back there for a specific section right now to just try to answer this question in the context of the Old Testament and Jesus and now the New Testament. Is it better to be married or to be single? Which is better? Here, let's read this together. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 32. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about the worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So in a culture that places marriage and security and provision at this level and singleness at this level, we see that Jesus levels the playing field, and Paul has some really specific words here. In his language, he doesn't want us to be anxious, and he doesn't want us to have divided hearts. And I think he would say there is an advantage to being single in not being anxious and not having a divided heart. He's clearly not saying that either singleness or marriage are wrong. And in fact, in this whole Corinthians 7 passage, he's not even giving instructions about whether you should be married or single. If you're here this morning and you want to know God's plan for your life, should you be married or should you be single, Paul is not going to answer that question for you. In fact, he's going to put that question in its rightful place. In your relationship with God, God will show you the path that he has designed for you, and he will reveal to you the future and the plans that he has for you. And you'll get that answer from him directly. Paul says either one is good, but he's calling out the advantages for being single and not having to be a divided heart and not having to be anxious about many things. As a married man, I read this and I think to myself, do I have a divided heart? Am I a distracted individual? It's an important question to answer. I think because of the many places in which Paul honors marriage as being a model of the relationship between Christ and the church, as well as the way in which Paul calls us as married individuals to model God's devoted, exclusive love for his church in the way that the husband is uh, devoted to his wife and the wife is devoted to his husband, as well, in, as well as the ways in which husbands and wives are called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ and to completely reverse the power struggle that exists between genders from the curse and the ways in which we can completely lay ourselves down for one another and live out a sacrificial love. The ways in which married couples are challenged and uniquely invited to model that for the world. I think Paul would say, Joel, if Christ is at your marriage, and if your marriage is open to having a mission for the kingdom of heaven, then you won't be divided. Then you won't have a divided heart. 
You'll have a heart that is completely focused on him, and you won't succumb to the difficulties that are clearly represented here in this passage. I think that's what he's saying to married people. So those of you who are married in the room, I think you have some context. It's probably not the first time you've heard this principle talked about, but the reason why I'm referencing 1 Corinthians 7 is to do with this. It really goes after the hierarchy, the hierarchy that exists in society. And I think if we're trying to answer the question, is it better to be single or to be married, the Bible clearly says they're at least equal if not singleness has a slight advantage. But I don't think culture thinks that way. I don't think very many cultures think that way. In fact, it might be entirely countercultural to think that way. But God's word is inviting us to consider that this is a reality and that this begins to completely erase and remove the hierarchy that naturally exists in the church family. So if you're feeling a little uncomfortable with this right now, if this is sitting with you in a way that maybe, I don't know if I agree with this or this feels really uncomfortable with me, right? I don't know what to do with this. I would just invite you to just trust God with this look into the scriptures, maybe have a conversation and realize that we are heavily, heavily influenced by our culture around us. And when God's word is countercultural, we're going to initially be a little uncomfortable and we can trust God's word as an anchor for our souls as well as a design for our life because he wants us to fully live out this experience in the body of Christ that we are connected. This is why this metaphor is so powerful because I stand up here, you know, we... Our bodies are so obviously connected. There is no disconnect, like our arms, all the aspects of our bodies are completely connected. A disconnected body would be absolutely absurd. The absurdity of the metaphor stands in direct cultural contrast to the individualistic society of North America and even the way that we naturally think about things. So let the metaphor of the body draw you closer to Christ in this, draw you closer to his design because... It's so absurd the other way around, even though it's normal in culture. Are you tracking with me, church? Are we, are we, are we willing to, to consider this here? All right. I would like to try to be as practical as possible in helping us as married people and as single people really see one another. Really, really see one another. See one another clearly and end up with some very practical next steps. So what can we do as a body of Christ across the perspective of marriage or single, single in all different aspects of life stage or widowed or divorced or maybe married without kids? All the, how can we really, as a church family, see one another better, be aware of ways in which we might be looking, um, thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to, and how can we find one another and live out this belonging and this connectedness a little bit better? So for next steps and practical insight, I want to just bring Pastor Emily back up on stage and have as frank and honest of a conversation as we can about this so that we can help break this down just a little bit more. Emily, can I just start by saying thanks for the message last week. Thanks for your honesty and transparency. The principle of the gift of singleness is a powerful truth, and I'm really honored by your willingness to just be open about it. So thanks for doing that last week. I'm, I'm grateful. Yeah, of course. It was cool to be able to dive into God's word together and talk about something we don't talk about very often. So So if Romans 12 talks about this hierarchy and we understand this unspoken hierarchy exists in culture as well as in church culture, 
Let's just go for it. Let's have the honest conversation around how have you experienced this hierarchy? Yeah, it's a great question. There's many ways I could answer it. Um, I think the one of the best pictures could be some of the conversations I've overheard when people are speaking specifically about our young adults community. Uh, sometimes it'll inadvertently be referenced as the singles ministry. And this just reveals the... Um, the assumption and that idolatry we place into marriage of, oh, this is a place where people can gather and get set up, and then the end goal is marriage, when in reality, our end goal is discipleship. And so with our young adults, we have married couples, we have single people, and I think um, just that assumption of, oh, this must be a place for people to get to the next destination of marriage kind of reveals that idolizing of of marriage it's a good thing but it's made as like that end goal or that peak of the christian life i think there's so much in what you just said and the word idolization of marriage i think is a important principle i know you talked about it last week but we really have to test ourselves of of do we idolize marriage as uh as an ultimate and that's an important principle um as far as the hierarchy, how I experience it on, as a married person is um, I'm largely unaware of it. On, on the upside, I'm largely unaware of it. I don't necessarily naturally like, think of people who are single as being any less than, but I do occasionally wonder if they want to be married or if this is something that's on their heart. Um, but also, in just acknowledgement, you know, my social calendar is very naturally uh, filled with people who are in common life stages. And so with the lack of intentionality, that's basically what happens. As well as when you, the, 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 that when you have kids, when you have family, your social candle also is just less available. It's just one of the facts of life. And so on the other side of the hierarchy, the, the lack of those intentionalities is what feeds into the hierarchy and feeds into the spectrum. And so that's one of the things that I think has been illuminated as you and I have been talking about this. I was like, oh, I didn't realize that that was going on. And the lack of intentionality on my part was part of the problem. Yeah, that's good. And I think sometimes you might be sitting there thinking, oh gosh, is she asking me to add something else to my social calendar, right? And um, what we're not saying is like, oh, single people are a project that you need to add to your to-do list to take care of them, right? That's still looking downward. But in reality, it's an invitation to that life-on-life discipleship that Jesus modeled, um, where he lived life with his disciples. Um, I think about Paul and how he did ministry with Aquila and Priscilla, right? A married couple, whereas Paul himself was single and he wrote most of the New Testament. And so the invitation is really to be together more, um, not to, um, yeah, bring on like a new project or something like that. So this idea of togetherness and belonging towards one another, where have you seen the church family actually really getting this right? Yeah. So I think from a personal level, one example is um, there's a family at this church who uh, they always think of me for holidays. Um, During the pandemic, I live alone, so I'd been alone for like six weeks or something, you know, and uh, don't have blood family out here. And so um, one of my friends, she texted me and she said, hey, we love having you as a part of our family. We'd love for you to join us for Easter. And even the language of 
Um, like, we're inviting you from the beginning planning stages. You're not a guest, you're not a stranger, uh, but you're family. That really communicated, oh, I belong, and oh, she thought of me um, and wants me to be there. Um, not she's pitying me, and so it's a last-minute invite so that she doesn't feel guilty, right? Um, and then I think at a church-wide level, I've really seen us respond well when people are in, are in crisis. I think we really come together, whether that's um, a country or a person or a family, and we don't really look at, we don't really draw any invisible lines between married and single but my dream for our church community is that it wouldn't take a crisis for us to see each other. That we would proactively look or answer the question and ask the question of how can I love my brothers and sisters around me who are at different life stages? Um, because I think it's natural to gravitate towards people who are in your life stage, right? If you're a new mom, you want to talk to new moms. You need to talk to new moms. Um, but I think where we lose out is when we just stay siloed. We need the time with the people who are just young adults. Youth needs time with just youth. But Jesus calls us to also have those intergenerational relationships and to break or erase any dividing lines between married and single. Mm. There's a lot in what you described there. And you painted a picture of some pretty radical hospitality. And if we're honest, that doesn't, that's extremely uncommon in culture. It stands very counterculturally, and that might be a huge stretch. But just because it's radical um, doesn't mean that God doesn't have goodness and blessing and transformation in the process as we reach towards that and that God pulls us into this. And uh, we can trust God for the things that he wants to do and because we do belong towards one another. And, and we are connected. I think the best places where I've seen this as a married pe- person, uh, the connectedness actually being borne out, it's going to be in places where I, people I serve alongside in ministry or people I've been in community group with. And as I think about all those stories, this is right now just an invitation. When you serve in ministry here, it's not just about you using your spiritual gifts. It's also an avenue of really getting connected and getting connected maybe with people that you wouldn't naturally find in friendships, but now because you have a shared interest or because you just now have more proximity with one another, God broadens your social circle because of who you serve with or because of who you're in a community group with. Those are very, very important. And those, you might think those are choices left to chance. Who am I going to meet? Who am, but God provides, God ordained appointed uh, conversations and relationships. Whenever you take steps out in like that and the people that you meet and the, the people in the church family that you get connected with are powerful, long-lasting relationships. I've been here at this church for, since 1999, and, the, and the, the, relation, the people who have known me since back then, it's such strong, like, deep-rooted friendships um, that I account as so uh, important and valuable, and uh, it's part of the connectedness that I get to experience here. And if you're just here as a, you know, you're new here to this church or you haven't been here at this church that long, we're inviting you into that. That's the kind of, this is where you can put your roots down. This is where you can become very connected. It can happen here. Can I just talk a moment to our married families and just some next steps, some next steps for us, because I think the onus is on us, in a sense, in to, to really begin to um, uh, open up and grow in this way. Um, we need to do an audit of our social calendars. We need to do an audit of our friend circles. And we need to ask ourselves, do we have some blind spots in this ways? 
We need to listen to this conversation right now and not to think about it in terms of projects, but just look at it in terms of we are connected. We are part of the body of Christ, and we need to see each other better. We need to notice each other more. We need to see each other better. I think holidays are a very natural stepping point, but really what you described is something that's more life on life, and I think we have um, so many opportunities to discover that. And what could it be like? Church, what could it be like? If belonging here in this family really live, if we really lived out the connectedness, the belonging towards one another, if someone being welcomed to this family felt the welcome uh, invitation to this church family, what would it look like? How completely countercultural and how completely like the love of our Heavenly Father would that be like? And people can sense that tangibly before even a word is spoken. What could it be like if our church family was like that even Can we spend a moment and just actually pray into this church family? Can we do that? Would you mind standing up with me? Let's try this. Would you mind closing your eyes right now? And Holy Spirit, because your word says that we belong to each other and that we are connected because of the Holy Spirit, Would you help us right now with spiritual sight to see us not as individuals in a room or individuals online, but as members of a body that are really, truly connected, that there's connections all over the place in here right now that we could, God, would you grant us some spiritual sight to see that right now? That's not what culture sees, but God, that's what you see and that you invite us to live in this, and that you invite us to become rooted and established in love together with all of God's people so we can know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God and to know this love that goes beyond all knowledge. That you need to do something spiritually inside of us. You need to wake us up, help us to see this, and you need to show us where we're not seeing, where we're thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to and we're not thinking of ourselves with sober judgment. And there are hierarchies all over this church of various natures that need to be broken down because you have broken down every hierarchy. In Christ, in the cross, you have broken down every hierarchy. So please, would you do that in this church family? Would you help us to live in this reality? Would you help us to grow in this? Thank you for the connectedness that is here. Please help us to live in this. We commit to stepping into this and to to, to following you and to working on this because we need to learn. And I know as a married man, I need to learn and I need to grow in this. So thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So church, Emily and I are going to be down here forward to have conversation or pray in this. We'd love to send you out with this blessing. I know we were singing the blessing earlier, but that is the blessing that we're walking out into. And we are connected. We belong towards one another. Thanks for being here this morning. Thanks, church family.